Welcome and thank you for listening to the Sheepdog Dad podcast. My name is Stuart Jackson and I am the founder and host of the Sheepdog Dad. Visit thesheepdogdad.com to read articles, listen to podcasts such as this, and sign up for coaching geared towards men, young men, and boys who wish to become responsible stewards of themselves, their families, and society. Please join us on our journey to protect the flock. On this episode, we are joined by DJ Dolan from One Tribe, One Heart. DJ and I discuss servant leadership and the ABCs of high-performance mindset of Align, Believe, Compete. Enjoy the episode. DJ, how are you, man? Hey, good, brother. How are you? Good, man. Thanks so much for taking the time. I appreciate it. Oh, man, I really, uh, that's on me 100%. I, I, I thought I had 130, so I was sitting here standing by prepping, but uh, that's on <laughs> me, brother. That's all good. We're splitting the difference uh, between uh, 1 o'clock and 1.30. That's all good. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Well, I like I said, I appreciate you taking the time. I'm looking forward to the conversation. I think it's real interesting. My last several guests have all been through the Instagram algorithm, and I, uh, I'm i a big follower of Jocko Willink, and he always says, you know, be careful of the algorithm. Uh, be careful of what you're viewing because it's, it's always going to feed you more of uh, whatever you click on. And so it's like, well, I guess I'm clicking on the right stuff if I'm hooking up with uh, like-minded guys like you. And uh, and so I'm really looking forward to our conversation about uh, what you're doing with One Tribe Leadership Academy with the program. And uh, so, yeah, I think it'll be a great conversation. Yes, dude, I'm fired up. And can you hear me okay? I hear you great. Good, good. Uh, yeah, fired up. That, um, you know, the algorithm's interesting, right? And, and I think it's like, uh, I think it's like technology, right? Technology is not the problem. Uh, unconscious use of it is. So I feel like with the algorithm, whew, we could really use that to our advantage, couldn't we? If, if we if we are clicking on and looking at the things that we know fill, you know, fill, our, fill us up and, you know, serve our values as opposed to, you know, the divisive pleasure seeking type things. Does that land with you? Oh, absolutely, man. Because, yeah, you know, we just had the midterms and it's like the more you go down the rabbit hole, the more you're just seeing stuff that is getting you more entrenched in that viewpoint. Um, it really it really speaks to how, you know, I don't know if you want to go go into if it's a conspiracy theory of they, whoever they may be, want the commoners just fighting amongst themselves just so it can continue, you know, those in power can continue to stay there. And even for me personally, if I'm started, if I'm starting to see things that I don't like, it's, uh, I'm consciously making the decision of hitting on there, see less of this topic, because I want to make sure that, like what you said, that mindless consumption, that I'm just not allowing myself to just be a mindless consumer for that. So, mm. uh, and I'm sure you would agree with that. Oh, I do. A hundred percent. One kind of, you know, message I have to folks is if whatever you're watching, looking at, seeing, um, whether it's on the screen or someone's talking to you, um, but most importantly on these, on the screens, um, specifically the, you know, the news, mainstream media, um, if it incites some sort of fear, anger, angst, uh, be cautious, right? Because it's it's likely highly likely being used to manipulate your behavior via your beliefs, right? And so it's like, um, but it works. It, it works. Get people divisive, um, and I'm sure we'll get into it today. But I, th I think one of the main issues, and um, you know that that we face is this 
illusion of separation, this illusion that we're, that we're different or disconnected. It's, it's almost like I like to say, if the left hand and the right hand, whatever you want to do, however you want to put it, right, it's one political party or the other, or one race or the other, or one religion or the other. When this hand is trying to kill this hand to be superior, it, they're, real, they're, they're doing so not realizing that they're connected to the same heart, right? There is no sides, really. It's, it's all of the mind, you know, so it's, it's interesting. But, um, you know, it's, it's one thing to be wary of, right? If anything's going to make us feel, um, you know, um, that like us first them mentality, um, it's being used with precision to control our behavior. Like you said, keep the commoners kind yeah. of busy fighting each other. <laughs> yeah, and I think that is a good segue to the topics that that we're going to talk about of leadership in general. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter if you're only in charge of yourself or if you're in charge of a family, a business, you're leading people at, at work. You can be a leader at any level. And what what does that take? That takes, you know, trust, respect, building a relationship, um, and even if that means just having that relationship with yourself. And so I think that's a great place to start of you have, you know, extensive uh, leadership training from your time in the military that is now carrying over to the civilian side. And so I think that's a great place to start of just kind of how you uh, learned your leadership lessons, how you learned what works, what doesn't work, and how that is carrying you over into, uh, into what you're doing now. Yeah, I love it, Stuart. If, if you wouldn't mind, just before that, would you mind giving me a, just a foundation, right? A, a Sheepdog Dad po- podcast, your why, like what kind of brought you to this, this place today? I love, I love that that is a foundation uh, to get started. Well, yeah. Uh, so for me, it is wanting to, I'll be honest. So I started uh, an LLC uh, late summer and what drove that was I've been steadily climbing the professional ladder and I have reached the point of middle management. So now the next step is executive leadership. And there was a situation that occurred where I saw how some executive leaders were treated and shown the door rather quickly. And I just thought, hmm, I've got a toddler at home and I'm having another baby in about two weeks. I don't wanna be shown the door unexpectedly and have the rug swept out from under me. And so that has led to me trying to be more self-sufficient, starting my own LLC of trying to get uh, some type of coaching, consulting, um, men's coaching uh, business. I don't know where it's going to lead. This is just the foundation of where some things can go. And I have seen what good leadership can do. Uh, I've seen what bad leadership can do. And so I thought, well, I'm going to take the positive leadership lessons I've learned and try to instill those, try to coach those into other men. And what's interesting is whenever I look at the men who are in my life uh, between uh, family and my close male friends who mostly come from my jujitsu academy, we all seem to have the same like mindset. And so I'm not running into a lot of men that are the, you know, stereotypical go home, sit on the couch, uh, you know, aren't paying attention to their, their kids. They're not involved with, with their marriages. And I really thought, man, I, you know, I'm seeing all these coaches who are getting up and going on Instagram and there's gotta be a need for it. And so I just thought, well, I'm just going to keep putting myself out there and see if I can just find some men who 
finally reply to what I'm putting out there and just say, hey, for whatever reason, I'm connecting with what you're saying. And so uh, so that was really it of getting that out, getting getting out there and doing that. And also too, seeing a lot of fatherless homes too, even in my own family and the extended family, seeing the data of how, uh, if there's no permanent father figure in a home, how that negative, so negatively affects individuals, doesn't matter their gender, and wanting to be an example, just put myself out there, whatever happens, happens, and just see where it goes. So that's been, that's really been my start over the last you know, three or four months. Man, uh, I want to acknowledge you, Stuart. Um, now, did you, are, are you still working in that corporate job or are you, are you kind of doing both now or? Uh, so I am still working. I work in the public sector and uh, I am still working and doing this on the side. And uh, really it's going to be uh, just see where these take me. You know, I'm expanding my uh, social media presence in a positive way, like what we just touched on trying to get more active and putting out uh, positive content and being an encourager rather than, uh, you know, talking, you know, bringing someone down that is so, so uh, rampant on social media. And uh, so, yeah, so doing both right now and just seeing where, where the road leads. Good for you, Stuart. I want to acknowledge you on that, um, you know, follow, following that, that invisible inner tug from your heart, right. Fo- following those values and, um, not settling, right? It's it's no doubt that you that you find in the world what you're looking for, and and uh, I couldn't agree more. You you're finding these like-minded folks as you you be, you know you are one, and you're behaving like one, and you're looking for it, and it's uh it's a beautiful thing. It's exactly what we need. So um so yeah, thank you for the foundation. Sorry to hijack your uh, your podcast. Um, but- no, no, it's great. Uh, and I th- I think it's great and with uh, like what you just said, what you're looking for, you're going to find. If you are looking for reasons to be down and out and to uh, use and you're not being introspective on why do I do the things I do and why do I do the things that I don't like about myself? Why do I do the things that I do like about myself? If you're going to choose to, you know, you had a bad day, so you're going to find alcohol to drown your problems or you're going to hit the jujitsu mats. Those are two very different ways to deal with the exact same problem. And mm. so uh, and, and so that has been part of it, too, of uh, wanting to encourage people that I see are, uh, you know, handling the problems in an unhealthy way of, hey, you probably feel a lot better if you came to me to a jujitsu class and you've got that men's fellowship and you listen to uh, my, you know, my gym's grandmaster as he would say, give you his gospel because our gym is very Christian based in its values. It's wonderful. And just like, hey, just come and listen to what he has to say and just let it kind of steep into your subconscious. And uh, I have started going to jujitsu now more for the social aspect. That is where I get my my uh, my social time, because uh, if I'm not at work, if I'm not at, at the jujitsu gym, then it's at home and, and being a dad and, and enjoying my time with the kids. Mm, that's beautiful story. The, the jujitsu piece that speaks to me. I mean, it's, if you, if you're at a jujitsu gym, it, it shows that, um, you know, uh, grit is going to be important to you. Long-term goals is important to you. Um, you know, transcending pain is important to you. Like, you know, it's one of these things where, 
you don't go to jujitsu and say, Hey, I want to, you know, wear the t-shirt. I want to get the mat. You know, I want to be a black belt, right. Cause it takes years and years and years. Uh, if you wanted that, you'd probably go do kickboxing and become a black belt in two years or whatever it is, you know, jujitsu was so cool about that. And I love, I love that it's permeating, you know, the, the United States, uh, for, for young men and women, young leaders, um, uh, because it's just that it's, you know, it's, it's, it's ongoing training, um, realizing that the training never ends and, um, you know, you, you see an, even a, a elite teams sometimes, whether it's, um, in sport or tactical athlete teams, um, you know, you have a lot of, uh, intense training in the beginning selection, you know, process and, and whatnot, you get a lot of tense, uh, intense training. And then you get almost, um, the t-shirt, if you will, or the title. Uh, and then it's not always true that that kind of training and mindset continues, right? Some special people do. You, t- you mentioned Jocko. He's obviously somebody that always love to train and be prepared and, and whatnot. Um, but it's not always true. And I think even in athletics, some, some folks will make, you know, they have a goal of making the, you know, making it to the professional leagues, uh, professional level. Uh, and then they don't reset the goal because in their mind, their sense of self was, was, has been waiting to make that um, a reality. And then they made a reality. And then, um, it's almost like, you know, you, you kind of have the title and you, and you walk around with it and you see it in the corporate world as well. Um, and the way, the way I like to say it is, you know, being part of an elite team doesn't necessarily make you elite, uh, behaving in elite ways consistently does. So mm. what have you done the last eight weeks? That's important, right? Uh, as opposed to, mm. hey, hey, look at the four touchdowns I scored in high school, like the Al, Al Bundy kind of, kind of approach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'm definitely picking up on what you're saying because it sounds like what you're saying is you need to, number one, fall in love with the process of mm-hmm. be, of getting to that point. Because like what you said, that's going to be, all right, I've reached the top of the mountain and now what is there for me? You always, and, and then talking about, I think that ties into with jujitsu where what you said, that is a long-term goal for me. It's broken up, and I'm sure you can speak to this whenever you went through special forces selection. It's truly just become a short-term goal of, hey, I need to make it to class tomorrow. And it's like, if I can just make it to class tomorrow, I'm going to have a good day. I'm going to see my friends. I'm going to get beat up. I might beat somebody else up. You know, we'll see. We'll see how the day goes. And whenever we get off the mat, we're all going to hug each other and thank each other for that time. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, okay, what's the next goal? get to get back on the mat within a couple days, just as my schedule allows. And so, um, and I'm sure you can definitely speak to that from your, your time in selection. Yeah, no, absolutely. So um, I went through uh, with selection, I went in as um, 18 x-ray. So I kind of got a a contract to go right to, right to infantry school, uh, basic infantry, um, uh, advanced infantry airborne, and then go right up to Fort Bragg for, um, for the, you know, um, the Q course, they call it. Um, and I, um, had just, I finished college and I ended up enlisting because of that, uh, the option to go directly in. Um, and that's for me, it was, I think at that time being, you know, what was I 20, I'm young, I was young younger, you know, just out of college, 22, maybe. And, I think I was very much back then chasing that t-shirt, chasing the title, you know, trying to figure out who I, who I am, who I was, I, you know, I, I, the way I believed it to be back then is if I achieve this thing, um, you know, if I, this level of performance or whatnot, 
then that's going to be my identity the rest of my life. And I can just kind of relax, mm. you know, and it's almost like, you know, young kids trying to figure, figure out who you are. And, and I noticed that for me at a young age, performance was me trying to be seen. Now I understand the psychology part of it, me trying to be seen, me trying to, trying to be worthy, uh, if you will. And um, so always trying to find what is the most challenging thing I can do to prove that self, to prove that to myself, right. Over and over again. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's an endless search. I realize that. And, and as I learn more about psychology, it's uh, it's, it's liberating. Um, but uh, to go back to that. So I went in and um, I was the, the undergraduate of uh, basic in AI in, uh, in advanced infantry. Um, and then uh, I was the undergraduate of um, uh, selection, SF selection, the warrior leader course comes after that. It's like the NCO school. Um, and then I won, uh, uh, the Ironman award for having the highest physical fitness test. And this, it's like a 10, 10, um, event decathlon they did in special operations training. And, um, and it was interesting. I, I, I think as much as, uh, I got those certain those little blips of, uh, of, of pleasure when I would come in first and something, I was instantly, I noticed that I was like enslaved by it because then the next time around, if I come in second, I'm a failure. I'm lo I'm lost. Yeah, and that was some of the old, some of the you know inner stuff that I had to work on, right? Like realizing um, it was yes, and externally it, it looks great. Oh, you're doing well, but I was like, oh no, if I come in second, then I'm, I might as well not be. So I don't know if that resonates with you, but it, it's something that mm -hmm. you know, looking back on, I noticed uh, about about myself, um, you know, kind of with that. No, absolutely. That uh, you're you're saying exactly what I what I have thought and what try what I try to incorporate is that introspection of of looking back on like what you said, where you realize now uh, that it was a psych a psychological piece to you trying to do you know something occur that you had to be challenging yourself and and you can see that now, and I think that speaks to as a father, how you can break some negative cycles with your children and you can be that, that stopping point of, okay, I know why my dad was like this. I know why I'm like this because my dad was like that. And I want my children to have these traits, but I want to learn, I want them to learn those traits in a different kind of lesson than how I learned it. And that's what I am seeing with me now uh, as almost to be a father too, of, uh, my dad was for all circumstances was a very good father. He was a police officer for 23 years, but as is so common with, uh, police officers, especially I was born in 1986. So, you know, growing up through the late eighties, the nineties and him retiring in the early two thousands of, you know, he was a divorced single dad for a lot of my life, had two kids need had child support and he handled you know working 60 to 80 to 100 hours a week he handled that stress sometimes in an unhealthy way and uh so it's uh it is just seeing those patterns and being like okay i'm gonna break that pattern so that my son doesn't go through that or see me acting like that or something like that and of course mm -hmm. he was a very good dad for for all uh, all things considered and he's an extremely uh, a great grandfather, 180 degrees different, uh, sometimes as a, from a father to a grandfather, but he says that's, that's what's so great about green, being a grandfather. He can, 
do all the spoiling now and just hand the kids right back to us and we gotta you know take care of it but uh but yeah so uh so that's very interesting what you said on that psychological introspection side yeah no a hundred percent and i love that uh I, lo- I love that, uh, you know, kind of story about your, your, you know, your dad and, and, and the evolution of it. And what, what comes through for me as you're talking is compassion. Like you clearly, you have that compassion, which is so, so dang important. Um, you know, something I, I uh, you know, kind of to lay a little foundation to the story I was just telling you, I, um, you know, similar background. Um, I was raised by a village, my Nana, my Papa, my uh, aunts, uncles, family took me when I was 14. So I was kind of raised by a bunch of different people. Uh, for, now that I look back, I was super fortunate, right? To have so many people that cared about me. Um, but, um, you know, when I went into, um, you know, because I didn't have, uh, I think I didn't have that set, like, it, you know, that traditional family that you think you're supposed to have that the TV tells you you're going to have, right? Mm. Um, my father figure was like, you know, uh, action movies and, and, and sports, right. It's like, all right, how do I be, how can I be the most macho man I can be? Right. Let me box and play rugby and football and jump on airplanes and join the military and all these things, trying to find myself. Right. And, and thinking I'm going to do it in this, this way of accolades or titles. And, um, and when I was, uh, actually playing college football, I, I interned with the major state police agency, uh, I thought that's what I wanted to do for my life and military, state police. And um, and during that uh, a ride along I had, I was about 20 hours a week. I was doing ride along. We had a horrible scene. Of, um, we ended up losing, uh, you know, two young kids, uh, you know, under six. Um, and it was a, just a horrific scene. Hit, hit by cars. We were given CPR and life-saving measures. And there was no chance of survival. And uh, so I'm 20 at the time, maybe 1920. And, you know, um, when I'm asked after if I'm okay, uh, what did I say? I put that tough guys on, right? Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, of course. I'm good. This is what I want to do. I want to be a warrior. I want to be a trooper. I want to serve. Of course I'm fine. Like, you know, but I I was, you know, at at that stage of my life playing college football, I don't really have, I thought at the time I thought a lot of responsibilities, but now as a dad and, uh, (laughs) you know, I realize uh, how much free time I had. Um, And so it, it was, didn't become an issue psychologically, but I, I remember, you know, waking up in the middle of the night and, um, you know, calling my sisters to check on my niece and nephews and um, just constantly seeing the images of the children uh, that we couldn't save and, uh, and whatnot. And uh, so after college, I, I was blessed. I, I got a boxing contract in Los Angeles, California, and I worked with a sport and performance psychologist named uh, Dr. Michael Gervais. Uh, he works with the Seahawks and Olympians and stuff. Now he's great. Uh, he was, he brought mindfulness meditation over to mm. sport. Um, really one of the first kind of trailblazers to do so. Uh, and he kind of integrated that into the performance psychology and man. So learning mindfulness, um, you know, as a fighter and, and again, learning it to be a better um, athlete. Right. But I didn't realize how much I needed that at that time in my life until I look back on it on that time now. And um, yeah, learning mindfulness and introspection and goal setting, imagery, uh, visualization, journaling, all these, all these tools that have great now have even better backing by research uh, that help, you know, kind of athletes perform. I didn't realize how much I needed that then and how much that set a foundation for me the rest of, uh, you know, my, my, my life up until this point. Um, when I go back to the special operations training. And to be clear on that, I, I was, I joined in through the guard. So I went through, you know, about a third, third way through the Q course. And then I got hired by the state police and I came back up, went back down and I ended up 
you know, um, choosing to stick with the, the civilian, the, the, the state police career. Um, but I, I, I would say from that experience, uh, more so than just performing, because anyone can, I mean, great athletes can go in and perform in, in, in a selection uh, course. Um, but the, the whole idea of where I really learned about servant leadership was then. Um, and it was, uh, I specifically remember being in selection and wouldn't be one of the, I was not one of the young, younger guy on the younger side, uh, but I was a 18 x-ray. So I, I didn't have uh, military experience outside of tra training. Um, and um, I'm surrounded by, you know, uh, people I look up to, um, you know, um, uh, folks who have multiple deployments and ranger instructors and, you know, all these, all these great, these great veterans. And um I saw the program was set up for performance and well, so they make you think. And I was one of the faster guys and uh, bigger guys. And they'd always put me in charge of um, the rocks, like the uh, rock marches. you got heavy weight on, you run, you know, extended period of time. They don't tell you the distance and stuff like that. And I remember they'd always put me in front and they would say, move as fast as you can. And we, they had a rule. If you fell on the back of the rock, if you fell out more than whatever it was, 10 yards, you got kicked out. And I'd have guys that were, you know, ranger instructors that just came back from deployment that didn't have the time to prep for the training maybe than I did that were getting close to dropping out in the back. And in my mind, I'm like, this is a selection phase to, to create, you know, a, tri a tribe of warriors that that are going to serve the world in a different way. I, I liked, I, I was drawn towards, um, you know, Army Special Operations because it was about force, you know, force multiplying, helping other people, teaching, making you know, teaching other people how to fish rather than just going and using violence on their behalf. And in my mind, I'm like, this doesn't make sense to just to drop out great people. <laughs> um, and so I think what helped me be, you know, finish as a, the honor graduate and get the, the um, you know, the, the, the kind of high, high write-ups from my peers and whatnot was leaving, leading heart first and, and looking left and looking mm -hmm. right and setting the standard, like I'm going to go hard as, as all hell but then helping and supporting and demanding my teammates do the same. Um, and then making decisions that are value-based as opposed to what the instructor that system's telling you to do. Cause I got, mm. they would smoke me, right? Like, Hey, you're not going as fast as you can. Cause I would slow. I had a system where I'd have people like, give me like a whistle when someone's falling out and then I would slow down, they can catch up and then we go. So it's like a slinky. And I, and I got chewed out for it. And I thought I was going to, I thought I might get kicked out of the course for it. Cause I, you know, I was, but it turns out that's exactly some of the stuff they want to they, they want to see, right? They want to see, uh, yeah, it's great that you can perform and shoot and run and do the PT and stuff. But they want to see is this person uh, selfless, right? Is this person do, mm. do they care about something bigger than their own achievement or titles or whatnot? And um, that was a lesson that 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 really stuck with me uh, because um, going through that when you're suffering and 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 hurting. Um, as a leader, a servant leader, when you're when you're focused on the well-being of everyone around you, uh, it's it 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 almost selfishly makes it easier for you. And I didn't realize that at the time, but I, I think having like the emotional intelligence that I had from the work I've done, I did with, my, with Dr. Gervais, I could look left and look right and pick people up. I could I could notice when somebody was you know down or or whatever it was, and I could you know share positive energy to bring them up. Um, and, and that's what I think I'm most proud of, um, uh, you know, from that, from, you know, that experience. Yeah. And you hit the nail on your head on, on you having to make those adjustments of even the, of 
what you are physically capable of versus doing what's in the best interest of your team and uh and you maybe not so uh maybe not taking on that smoke session of like okay well at least i did what was right by the team of but you're right it was almost just a psychological test of okay is this guy going to be selfish and just go all out and he's going to leave everybody behind or were you going to take a little bit of the punishment a little bit of the brunt uh you know almost like of uh the stories of trading off on carrying you know more of a load carrying your weight even though you're carrying more of someone's weight than others at different times it's just all part of making sure you all finish together and so with you being younger going through it at that time did it uh were you a little afraid about you know like what you just said you were afraid about maybe getting kicked out and it was just like well i'd rather get kicked out and do what was honorable by team members than just stay you know go all out and potentially isolate yourself from the other team members of having you know potentially selfish uh selfish demeanor mm, that's a great question yeah, yeah i think mm. i think being part of a team you know through sport and 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 whatnot and especially the work i did with you know dr Gervais about you know learning about myself and learning about um you know, that, uh, you know, the whole, the whole inner game. Um, I, I was, I'm definitely, uh, I'm value driven. And if, and if that, if the system I'm in, um, is against my values, then I'll, I, I would probably be labeled by that system as a rebel, <laughs> mm. right? <laughs> because I'm going to always make decisions, uh, you know, based on uh, values, what's in the best interest of, of, um, of them and my tribe and in the world. Um, and, um, that's what serving leadership to me is all about is serving something bigger than yourself, empowering those around you, um, to be their best and to, and, and to, and to serve the same as well. Um, regardless of if it's easy or if it's hard. And, and I think you look at some of the best leaders in the world, look at Jesus. Jesus was a rebel of his time, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he was, he was, <laughs> and you, and you can speak on this better than I, but uh, but a, a, a rebel where he is leading, you know, um, you know, heart, heart first, soul first. Um, and um, it's killed for it. And the beautiful part about that story to me and which could be taken to everybody is forgive them for they know not what they do. Mm. Like you're, you're getting, you know, uh, tortured by somebody by your, who's supposed to be your people, <laughs> And still in that moment, you're suffering and you're feeling the pain and, and all of it, but you still have that mindset of, okay, um, you know, forget, have that compassion of, of they're doing the best they can at their level of consciousness, well-being, intellect, all of it, probably tarnished by that system that they're in. Um, so let me lead by example here and show what it looks like to, to do so. And uh, does that resonate with you? Oh, absolutely. It really resonates because uh, just a few weeks ago, I got, I had a guest on who is a a men's coach specifically helping recovering nice guys and that um that term of you know i would have labeled myself a nice guy through you know middle school college or middle school high school and first you know year or so of college and then you start to realize well of course you know you know i'm losing the game against the not nice guys and so what am i doing that needs to change you know whether it be getting ahead you know with you know, girls in life in general, putting yourself in more favorable positions. And you start to start to see that it's like, well, it's not about being a jerk or not being nice. It's about, you know, standing up for yourself, being assertive, being uh, aggressive whenever you're going after your goals, 
but also like what you've said multiple times nice is just a very easy way easy word that people just say but really for me is it's about being kind and compassionate that is what's more important than quote unquote nice and uh and so it's uh that definitely has resonated with me for sure i want to i do want to ask you a question before i forget with uh the servant leadership mindset empowering people to do their best what uh what have been challenges of whenever you come across individuals who have no interest of becoming their best of improving their lives and being a positive leader to them you know whether it be on the military side or on the civilian side well that's a that's a powerful question a few different you know kind of um few memories come up, but I would say always, you know, uh, for me, I, I think it's meeting folks where they're at and um, remembering what I have control over. Um, meaning the, the whole, the, the old days, right? Like you can bring a horse to water, you can't make a drink, right? Mm-hmm. Like um, mm-hmm. I, I think it's, if you're leading a team, you have to look at that team and it's ongoing fluid thing but realize who are like, when it comes to values of the culture of the mission, who are all in um, and then who are like in the middle, somewhat in some, in sometimes, and, and then who are never going to be in this, all, every group, you know, very rarely do you have a group that's going to be all ins. And if you do, that's a special, special place. And, and you did a great job and let's keep that alive. Um, but I think it's, you do the best, you, you do the best you can. Uh, you offer the, the the benefits. You lead by example. Um, I think before just discarding them as, hey, they're gonna they're never gonna be in. Um, ask some powerful questions. I think again, meet them where they're at. F- figure out what's going on in, inside. What's what's maybe an obstacle to them uh, for wanting for not wanting to be their best, right? Like what is what does that look like? Right? And it's the way I see it. And I worked as a violent futures detective for you know multiple years, five, six years and uh, with the U S marshals. And, and my, my big, my, my big takeaway from that always being obsessed with psychology and, and human behavior and studying it. Um, and I realized that what I thought was a dream job, you know, for me doing these cases and going all over the country and the world to get violent fugitives and um, you know, doing undercover stuff, so all, all the things that I thought were like cool guy jobs. Um, I, I noticed that I just got sad because I started realizing like tactical empathy to me is okay. I had the case Stuart did X, Y, Z. I would start studying your background. I'd see who you talk to. I'd see how you talk to them. I'd see who you relied on last time you got in trouble. I'd see, you know, who raised you, how they raised you, where you, where are you from? All the things I want to know everything that you've been through because I want to understand how you see the world. And and I want to find, pick up on some habits so that I can, there's always going to be gold in those habits that I can now help me, you know, locate you safely, hopefully. And what I noticed was that tactical empathy um, was very small in the beginning of my career because I would be so emotionally driven. Like they person raped somebody or hurt somebody. I'd I'd be so laser focused. I just wanted to find this person in an alley and and hurt them (laughs) Um, or at least catch them. Right. And then it turned into that, that tactical empathy for me was okay. um, Emotions removed just like mindfulness, like how do I look at this objectively and understand, try to understand for a moment why this person sees the world, they, the world the way they do or why, or why they behave the way they behave and not agreeing with it for a second, obviously, but 
trying to use just that empathy, right? And for me, after doing all those cases and seeing the foundations where they came from, I got sad, Stuart, because I realized that um, I wasn't surprised that they did exactly what they did or believe what they believe and and, um, not making it right by any means. And they need to be caught and removed because they're highly likely to do it again or hurt other people. But like I said, that tactical empathy turned to real empathy where I'm like, okay, over and over again, all these high profile cases I'm working, I feel like I'm just in the world. I'm just responding to problems that have already happened. Um, and I'm seeing why they're happening with the, uh, you know, a breakdown in, you know, the education and resources and mentorship and all the things the sing- the, the, you know, the, the single parent households you mentioned and all these different things I see over and over again. Um, and again, I just felt like I was re- responding to a problem that's already happened as opposed to being part of a solution. So, mm-hmm. you know, for that, I, um, I read a book once to help me. Yeah, multiple times in, in cases, people try to kill me, shoot me, stab me, hit me with cars, like all these different things. And luckily, I did a lot of this inner work ahead of time. And this one book I read, uh, The Four Agreements, and uh, by I think it's Don Don Miguel Ruiz. And the one of the four agreements, um, it's from I think it's like Aztec culture. Uh, but one of the agreements was, don't take anything personally. And as far as someone trying to physically take your life. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with what, what's going on inside of them, right? That forgive them for they, they know not what they do, right? Mm-hmm. Tie it back to that. And that really resonated with me because I got to the point where I, when I knew I was really living that is when I would be in a, in a fight over a gun or, not, and, or being dragged by a car. And immediately after, like a, a nervous system still up, I performed to, to the level of safely apprehending them without having to take, take their life. And being, being able to walk away. Um, and really quickly, I noticed that I, I wasn't, um, after the, 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 the problem solved, it's neutralized, the person's in cuffs or whatever it is, I didn't have a, a, an aggression to go hurt them, you know, if that makes sense. So, so I realized that started being real for me. Um, so I don't know, how, I kind of went on a little side tangent here, Stuart, but um, I think when it comes to leading folks, I'll, I'll bring it back to it, um, who don't want to be led, I think meet them where they're at. I think Tell them you believe in them um, I th- and realize that they're doing the best they can at their level of consciousness, their level of intellect, their level of knowledge, nervous system, all of it, um, and offer you know, the, the guidance, um, offer uh, the ability to ask questions and, and help them ask questions to figure that stuff out. Because um, I'm not quick to discard anybody. However, if you're a leader and you're leading folks, you have a certain amount of time, X amount of time. And if you have a group of 10 people to make it easy and two of them are taking up 80% of your time and the two of them are not all ins or don't seem like they want to be in, we have to, unfortunately, we have to, well, fortunately for the whole, we have to put our attention over to the eight that are um, and give them our attention, lift them up and hope that the other ones come around. Um, Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. That empathy is, that's something that, you know, I oversee a team of, uh, I think, uh, six positions that are held, I think it's anywhere from 12 to 15 employees, uh, just depending on if, you know, all all positions are staffed. And um, I guess I should say, you know, about six titles that have multiple individuals per title. And you're right when you say the, you need to understand where they're coming from in life, where 
you know, what has been the leadership style of previous leadership? What have they been through the ups and downs of previous leadership? Whenever I stepped in this position, that was a, that was a, a big uh, point of letting the team know that I was here to help them and to help fix past issues. Um, there had been, I believe, five leadership changes in five years. And so I was coming in and I think it was really just like, okay, we'll see if you're here within a year or not, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, and keeping in mind, you know, what, what they've been through, uh, not only professionally, but personally from their past leadership experiences, positive and negative, uh, knowing where they're at on what their goals are. Maybe they don't have a goal to advance. Maybe they're just happy where they are. So you just need to empower them to be the best that they can be in that position. And they're perfectly content there. Uh, and so, so no, that all very much uh, makes sense very, very much. And it sounds like exactly what you've been through of that uh, emotional intelligence, like what you said, you could be in a life or death situation. And then as soon as it's over, it's like, okay, it's over. We're, you know, we're, we can treat each other respectfully or however, however you phrased it to, you know, whenever you were dealing in those situations. And it sounds like that has really led you to, well, wanting to be part of the solution before the problem occurs. Uh, just like what you said, you were noticing all these patterns. And so you wanted to be a part of that solution prior to this problem occurring. Sounds like that's what's really led you to the One Tribe Leadership Academy and being a part of the program. Would that be correct? Yeah, no, it's a hundred percent. I, uh, yeah, I've been working, serving with the program for uh, just over 10 years and I did it concurrently with, um, you know, uh, state and federal service. And mm. so it was a great counterbalance. Another great counterbalance, my wife and I own uh, two preschools um, with the mission to spread in love, love of life, love of others, love of learning in that order. And uh, that's been another great counterbalance of being part of the solution, setting up foundations of emotional intelligence and mindfulness and breath work and connection and, um, you know, really um, empowering humans, um, as opposed to, um, w unfortunately, I think a lot of my understanding of psychology now, a lot of um, kind of mainstream schools and businesses and, and even military, they use social behavioral psychology, punishment v reward to kind of um, control folks, right? <laughs> Program them, if you will. So it's like, you know, um, uh, it's, it, it can be as much as let's, reward them for doing what the system wants. And then let's, um, you know, punish them for doing what the system doesn't, even if, and this is back to me, right. As like the, if that system is outside of my values, then I'm going to be a, probably a rebel in that system because um, I'm going to get punished for doing like I, like that story I gave you before for doing what I think is right. And I'm going to get rewarded for doing what I think is not right. Um, for mm -hmm. me, which that would be me taking off and then leaving half the crew behind um, in that story. So um so, so specifically that I think Stuart is being part of the solution. And I think the solution is let's empower uh, as many people as possible to optimally lead themselves. And, and um, if you want me to define servant leaders, I think servant leaders are those who um, learn to lead themselves and they learn specifically to lead something bigger than themselves. Right. So they can lead their own because people, and you see it in, in the highest levels of leadership, executive leadership, that, that um, are uh, lacking the skills to optimally lead themselves, their own mind and body and emotions and all these different things. But they, they're doing exactly what the system says they should do, so they're going to be rewarded for it. Um, so I think 
what do we need to do is empower humans as young as possible, um, help them find their strengths, help them find belief in themselves, help them learn how to lead them, their mind and body. Breath work, simple, simple pieces of breath work that you'll learn in jujitsu, right? How to stay calm and how to bring your, your nervous system up or down. Why don't we learn these things? We, we're given this, we're given these meat suit bodies and not, and not given tools on how to operate them. No manual, right? Um, and so elite athletes get the work uh, and it's simple. So why not integrate it, right? So doing, you know, uh, things like that. So I think, you know, I kind of look, I zoom out big picture and look at the world. You have eight, almost 8 billion people on it. And I think servant leaders are responsibly for the responsible. And they always have been for the quality of the world and servant leaders to me, you can be in any background, you can be in any job, you can be, um, you know, any gender, any, whatever it is, as long as you are committed to, to serving yourself and serving those around you, serving something bigger than yourself. Right. Um, and I think it, um, we need to empower those who are willing to, are, are willing to lead in that way, lead heart first. Um, and I think we, if we, if we do that, uh, we're going to continue to make this place uh, better and better because despite what the social media or the media or all these little, this, this tech wants people to believe, um, it's probably never been better, a, a better time to be alive as a human being with the resources we have and what we have going on. And, uh, there's so many resources and, and there's so much, so much out there, um, and almost by every metric, um, it's the, the best time in our evolution to be alive right now. And we have an opportunity to be good ancestors uh, and to make it an even better place. And I think we do that by empowering and connecting servant leaders. Excellent. And I, I do want to touch on what I saw on your website with the ABC mindset, the align, believe, compete. Uh, let's dive into that because I think that is uh, very interesting. I'd like to hear just how you apply that to your leadership teachings and, and how you try to instill that in, in leadership. Yeah, absolutely. So ABC is what I, I came up with. Um, again, a military guy. So acronyms are, 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 are um, useful for me <laughs> to remember things. And, um, but yeah, ABC, align, believe, compete. It's a mindset philosophy. I, I kind of created, created and adopted. And um, I think it's extremely useful. And, and I noticed that uh, a lot of other folks, whether they know it or not, um, kind of kind of uh, uh, operate in the same kind of parameters. So align to me is being aware in, in real time, being aware of and accepting the reality was showing up. So in the world outside of me and the world inside of me. So the world outside of me, it's raining on my wedding, like be aware of the fact that it's raining and accept that. And if we can do that quickly, then we're going to find peace in that moment. Um, not that it's going to feel great maybe, but that's the next part is being aware of and accepting what shows up within us. Right. So Emotional intelligence is so important. Uh, men need to learn emotional intelligence. Um, society has taught them over the years that it's, you know, they shouldn't, they shouldn't or the weak or the whatever else. Uh, emotional intelligence is, is, is simply, you know, becoming aware of our, our inner states, what's showing up in our mind and body. Um, because what we resist persists. So if, if I resist anger, resist jealousy, resist frustration, resist guilt, resist shame, um, it's going to persist and intensify. I look at it like, um, you know, like mold in a basement. If you have mold in your basement um, and you just put stuff on top of it, shove a bunch of things on top of it, cover it up, right? What happens to the mold, Stuart? It's just going to grow. It's going to grow and then it's going to take over the whole house. And at some point, yep. you know, the whole house can get sick, right? So, uh, but mold, just like, just like painful emotions, mold, uh, if, you, if you shine light on mold, right? Sunlight on mold, 
it can't grow, right? It's it, it mm-hmm. starts to dissipate, but at the very least, it can't grow. Uh, so it might not disappear instantly, but it's not going to continue to grow. So if you open windows in the basement, you let some light in, the light's going to stop the mold from growing, and then it'll start dissipating. So I look at at this as awareness. So when you bring awareness to the painful stuff that's showing up inside of you, um, the stuff that you don't want to feel, um, that's like the sun on the mold. It's going to help it stop growing and then start to dissipate a little bit. So align to me is becoming aware of and accepting um, what's showing up in the world outside of us and inside of us. Cause that's going to put us in a position to, to, to perform at our best. Um, if we're resisting the rain or resisting what's showing up inside, uh, we're not in a place to perform. We're not in a place to enjoy life by any means, because we're just trying to resist what is, which is insanity. In my opinion, it's madness, uh, to, to, you know, uh, we have an option at that point we can, um, accept it. We can change it. We can leave it. Uh, but most people don't do that. We just resist, resist, resist. We resist in real time. So, so align to me is that it's acceptance in real time. Um, you need a, you need awareness first. So learning some skills on how to become aware is important because odds are uh, most folks aren't given those skills, uh, the self-awareness skills, uh, unless you were raised by, you know, um, um, Tony Robbins and, uh, you know, uh, Buddha and whoever else, most of us weren't yeah. right. So we're going to have to learn some skills, do some work. So that's a, that's, um, a for a line, uh, B believe is, uh, is an important one. Cause this is, like I said, with those fugitives, um, you're going to behave at the level of your beliefs. Right. And mm. it's all, it's always that, that case. And, and so, um, the way I like to say it's believe, behave, become, believe, behave, become. And so if you have a low belief about yourself, right? You're going to behave in ways that are aligned with that. And then that's going to become your circumstance, right? And so I think we have to elevate our beliefs about ourselves, about what's possible, about what's possible for our teams, our families, our country, our world. Um, And if we elevate those beliefs, uh, then we're likely more likely to behave in line and align with those. And that's more likely to to help uh, become the circumstances that we find ourselves in. So in, in real time, can I believe in what's possible? Can I believe in my values? What is, what is the, what is the highest quality of action I could take right now? Um, and let me aim for that with my beliefs. And then that brings us to C, which is compete. And I love the word compete. I've been competing since I was a kid. I, 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 at first, and like most, most, I was on the wrong side of compete when I was younger. It's, it's compete to prove your worth and to compete, compete to prove that you're superior to the person you're competing against, which is this, it's just missing the point. You said something earlier, which I loved about jujitsu. It's like, Hey, we're going to go there and we're going to beat each other up. And sometimes I'm going to win. Sometimes they're going to win. But at the end of the day, we're going to get off the mats and hug each other and, you know, uh, say a prayer and move on. And I think it, it, it for compete, um, you know, I, I read recently that the original uh, definition of compete was to strive and to strain with for the betterment of all, to strive and to strain with for the betterment of all. So if you, and that was it's a, from the a Greek origin. And if you look at the Olympics, what is that? It's an opportunity every four, every few years for folks from all over the world, uh, the same species, but from different areas to come together and to compete. And in my opinion, it's to strive and to strain with for the betterment of the world, right? To empower folks and to you know, positively influence folks. But most people think it's to see who's best, right? Which is, that's fun, a fun little game you can play too. But in my opinion, compete is, um, back to the ABC mindset, compete is the best of my ability right now 
to take action toward my beliefs, toward what's possible, toward my values. And for me, as an example, I got a bad stomach bug yesterday, Stuart, and I was, I was uh, not, nothing that's going to humble you than, you know, uh, uh, solids and, and liquids coming up and down at the same time. Yeah. And, uh, and I felt like crap this morning and, and, um, uh, and we had our call here and, uh, maybe two TMI for your, for your listeners, but, um, but my mentality was okay. Like I can't, I'm not going to go touch my kids and go near my kids right now. So I'm, I'm stuck in my office. I'm sleeping on the, on the couch in the office and, um, an opportunity to connect, uh, with you today. I'm not at my best. So 10 years ago, I'd be like, oh, I'm not going to do it. Cause uh, you know, I'm, I'm six, 60% of my vitality <laughs> level right now. So I'm not going to do it. But for my ABC mindset today was okay. Aligned with the circumstances. I, I, I was, I was sick. I'm hopefully getting better, hydrate a little bit, uh, believe what's possible. Let me, let me step to this call and, and be the best version of me I can be, even though I'm only at 60% <laughs> and then, you know, compete toward it. So, uh, let me make a head call before I jump on the call and, and then, you know, sip and hydrate and, and get through it. So yeah, compete, that compete portion is that's the action piece. That's, that's where servant leaders can take action every day toward uh, what matters most to them, toward those values, uh, towards what's possible. Um, even if it's only 10% of what that, what's, what, what their potential is at their best uh, at that moment, in that moment, um, 100% effort is, 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 is what's most important. I really like that. I really like that your beliefs, your beliefs are going to align with your behavior. And then the, the compete thing, I think you're, you're right. Because if I'm competing with someone in jujitsu and I come in second, but my training partner forced me to elevate above what my previous best was, then that's healthy competition right there. So I think that's, I, I really, I really think that's a great, the great mindset of those, belie those beliefs are going to align with your behavior. I, I think that should resonate with a lot of people. Hopefully they'll be, use that introspection to, to do that for sure. Um, let's see. I know we're bumping up on time a little bit. Uh, and also thank you for pushing through. I appreciate uh, you pushing through on the call and, and making it work. Uh, but I do want to touch on too the virtual guided mentorship program. Uh, I did some reading on that on your website, but I definitely want you to speak to that to, uh, to make sure we get the right message across of, you know, who that targeted audience is, what is the requirement for that program and what the expectations are of those participants. Yeah. Thanks Stuart. So we're, we're, um, we're still in like foundational phase of building it out. Uh, but the idea is I, I'm working on the app that we have a, an app that's under construction. Um, now it's in the app store. I'm still building it out, but uh, the idea there is let's, I, I want to pair, we want to pair servant leaders together. So uh, the, the kind of, um, you know, areas we were looking for to start um, are, um, you know, veterans, first responders, um, you know, um, folks who are serving something, you know, kind of in, in, in service fields uh, with uh, youth athletes, uh, you know, high school, collegiate athletes, um, the future leaders, um, and start building some relationships, um, some purposeful relationships. Now, uh, I don't want to, uh, we don't, we certainly don't want to um, narrow it down to sp specific groups, because in my opinion, it's, it's servant leaders, right? It's anyone that want that wants to learn the tools to lead themselves optimally, wants to serve something bigger than themselves, and wants to be a great teammate to someone else who also wants to do the same. Um, and um, and so that's so that's kind of what it's about. We're gonna have we have the app under construction. Uh, we have the guided mentorship. We have uh, different lengths of it, but 
Uh, there's a 30 day challenge, there's an eight week and there's a full year. Um, and these are all the, the whole idea of it is I think we're going to, you know, create a better world when, when, when leaders learn how to lead themselves optimally and they do it together with others, as opposed to what I was saying before, when, you know, um, people are kind of uh, taught what to do to, to do good in the system that they're in with punishment reward. I want to, I want to teach, teach as many people as possible how to lead themselves, mind, body, spirit, and, uh, and to do it with others. Because one thing we, we talked about a little bit before this call was the, the, the divide that's in the world, that illusion of separation that, that, you know, we realize we are, if you zoom out, look at the earth, <laughs> it is a globe. It is a, you know, there's no maps and lines and all that. It's a, it's literally a, a living globe, living island in the middle of an infinite dark ocean. And there's one tribe on that island. And I think for us to realize that and to start taking personal responsibility for the quality of our life and the quality of the world's, the world's existence right now. And so, um, so that's kind of what, uh, one tribe is all about it's uh, folks who feel called to learn how to lead themselves and help other people do the same hold them accountable um be good teammates uh that's that's kind of what it's about so we're we're uh, just building it out now but I'll, I'll be definitely putting more information out uh, on it as we get going into uh 2023 very good and you've got uh, i know you've got some digital courses available on one tribe one heart.org are those those are available for individuals uh currently we do. Yeah, we have a, 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 a 30, a 21 day and a 30 day uh, training that's available right now. Um, and then um, I have an eight week mindfulness training that's coming out that I'm working on now. And then a uh, 12 segment science of happiness course, uh, the whole warrior uh, that's coming out uh, in uh, early 2023 as well. Excellent, man. Well, we're bumping up on time. I appreciate you uh, coming. I appreciate you fighting through the stomach bug. I had it just a couple of weeks ago. So thanks so much. Uh, where can uh, people get in touch with you? Uh, we, whether it be on your website or on uh, the social media I've got, or is your Instagram handles? Yeah, absolutely. Those are great. If you want to put those in the show notes, um, the, the conscious okay, operator great. is, is, uh, is, is probably the primary for Instagram. And then, yeah, one tribe, one heart.org. Um, and then also empower coaching, E-M-P-W-R, uh, coaching, uh, dot com, uh, is my, that's my, my, uh, my coaching consulting, uh, page as well. Uh, one message I want to leave you with that I, I had in my mind from earlier, you talk about breaking the cycles for dads to kids. Uh, and it's such an important, it's such an important, um, lesson that I think needs to, needs to be out there. I want to share a, a song I sing to my son every night, uh, before he goes to bed program that to subconscious mind i want to, i'm not going to sing the song and i won't do the whole part but the one piece of it is um you know mommy and daddy will love you um no matter what he does um we'll be proud of you when you do your best but we're going to love you no matter what you do so that idea of hey listen i want you to be excellent i want you to be the best you can be because um you're going to enjoy the accomplishment of seeing what you're capable of and it's, it's such a great feeling to see what, what can happen when you work hard and you, and you, and you strive for great things, strive for greatness, but we're going to love you no matter what you do. Like, I don't, if you become a, a, whatever it is, right. If you end up in prison, I'm going to love you. Like, I'm just going to love you unconditionally for who you are. Um, but, um, Hey, let's, let's be our best. I'm, gonna, I'm proud of you when you do your best. I love you no matter what. So dad's listening, make sure your kids hear you say that, make sure your kids know, um, that you love them no matter what. Um, there's a, a, a story from Kobe Bryant he, he shared before he passed 
uh, guy was a, I mean, unbelievable um, mind. And he recalls a time he was 12 years old uh, at, at summer camp. His dad was already a professional basketball player. So he was, wasn't from the streets or anything. He was, he had money and the whole thing. Kids made fun of him because of that. Uh, his 12 year old uh, summer season of basketball uh, didn't score a single point. And at the end of the season, he was crying and whatnot. His dad came up to him and said, Hey, Kobe, what's going on? He's like, you know, he's so sad. He let his dad down. His dad's a professional basketball player. Didn't score a single point. And his dad said, Kobe, I will love you the same, whether you score zero points or 60. I want you to do your best, but I'll love you the same. And Kobe said at that moment, all the stress is off my shoulders. He goes, I realized that I didn't have to perform for my dad's love. But he said, F that. I want to score 60. So he went out there every day, started working. It took him the next season, he scored like 10 points a game. And then the following season, he took off. And then, you know, no, no one could ever stop him. But the point is, this is the, one of the greatest athletes, you know, um, uh, rest his soul. Um, but he needed that foundation um, of knowing that his dad, the, the Patriot, loved, loved him no matter what. He didn't need to perform for the worthiness of the connection he got to do it because he wanted to see what it felt like to be great. And um, so dad's listening, make sure your kids know you love them, whether your dad said it to you or not um, break that cycle, stop building, you know, young warriors that know that they're held by their dad's love, mom's love. And um, you know, and then push them to be their best uh, as well. I think that's an excellent way to wrap it up. We'll get everything linked up in the show notes. And if you'll just hang tight, we will uh, get finished up offline. Thanks so much for coming on, DJ. Absolutely. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for joining this episode of the Sheepdog Dad podcast. Thanks especially to our guest, DJ Dolan, for coming on to discuss his views on servant leadership and the ABC mindset. You can get in touch and follow DJ on Instagram and his website. You can find him on Instagram at one tribe one heart you can also find them at conscious underscore operator and you can also find his website one tribe one heart.org be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a five-star rating and review and sign up for our upcoming newsletter visit the sheepdogdad.com for more topics such as this and to sign up for our exclusive coaching service protect the flock visit originusa.com and support american jobs and american manufacturing that is O-R-I-G-I-N-U-S-A dot com. Origin USA manufactures 100% made in America BJJ apparel, such as geese and rash guards. They also manufacture jeans, boots, hoodies, supplements from their Jocko fuel line, and more. Use the code JACKSON10 for 10% off all orders. That is J-A-C-K-S-O-N-1-0 for 10% off all orders at originusa.com. Until next time, keep your head on a swivel.